Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have over 20 years in the health and wellness industry, and we have never seen a product like this. Results are felt in as little as 15 minutes as our Moringa is cell-ready and enzymatically alive. This is all-natural product will lower your blood pressure, relieve arthritis, increase your energy, enhance weight loss, or your money back. Do your part and get your friends off of Red Bull, Monster, 5-Hour Energy. Hey, come by Denny's in Redlands every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Call right now to book a seat to this private business meeting. 909-346-3725. 909-346-3725. Brought to you by youfeellikecrap.com. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM. The station that leaves no listener behind. Solutions. Shocks with your host, Barry Lynn. All right, and welcome to today's edition of Culture Shocks. This is Barry Lynn. So, within uh, just several hours of the recent Oklahoma tornadoes, uh, Rhode Island Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, who is, as if you're a longtime listener, you know I'm a fan of his and I followed his career for a long time, but he made a, a statement suggesting that the magnitude of tornadoes, that last year's drought, in many parts of the United States, and other kind of intense weather phenomenon could be, he didn't make it absolutely clear, could be something that is all a part of climate change. Was he right? Was he overstating it? What's the truth? Well, this and a lot of other discussion of climate change, global warming, today with my guest Michael Lemonix, the senior science writer for Climate Central, the author of a book called Global Weirdness, Climate Central is its author. Severe storms, deadly heat waves, relentless drought, rising seas, and the weather of the future. Michael, thanks for being with us. My pleasure to be there. Okay, do you think uh, possibly uh, Senator Whitehouse was just overstating it a little? Are we sure that the greater tornadic activity is because of climate change? No, we're not sure at all. And the thing about the thing about tying climate change to weather events of various kinds is that there's some things we know a fair amount about, there's some things we know less about, and there's some things we really haven't figured out yet. And when it comes to tornadoes, um, it's very plausible that climate change would be affecting them, um, but we just don't have enough information to say one way or the other yet. 
When you look at the evidence that you would need to make a statement or to draw the conclusion that there is greater uh, tornado activity now than a century ago, I mean, what other than people's recall, uh, I, I, re I was watching the news the other day and somebody in regard to this weather, I think it was over the Memorial Day weekend, said uh, something like, um, it seems like the weather is getting worse, more droughts, more storms. It, se it seems like a news person ought to be able not to say seems. They ought to be able to do some research, but there are limits to the research. What's the data that we need to draw a conclusion one way or the other? Well, the problem with tornadoes in particular is that if you go back very far at all, we did not have very good uh, statistics on exactly where they touched down, you know, before the days of radar and the days of um, large populations across much of the country, um, you know, a tornado could touch down a very powerful one and rip through, um, you know, fields of, of grain or something, and nobody would notice because there's right. nobody there to see it. And today that couldn't happen, but, but you really need to compare it with something. So to say it's getting worse, you have to have good records um, uh, of how it used to be. And with tornadoes, we just don't have really good records. And, and we started getting them in kind of the 70s, 80s, and after another sure. 10 or 20 years, we probably will have enough data to say whether it's getting worse. We just haven't Right. We don't have a rich enough data set going back far enough. And we don't, I assume we don't have it about hurricanes. We may not have it about droughts. I mean, we know about the Dust Bowl, but we didn't know exactly how dusty it was. Is that well, part of the problem? Well, actually, for, for things like droughts and heat waves and intense rainstorms, those happen so many more places than tornadoes do, and um, and they happen, you know, over and over and over again, and they're actually pretty well characterized, you know, we have good temperature records going back more than 100 years in the U.S., right. um, and, and really very good records. Uh, we have very good records of, of um, uh, uh, rainfall and things like that. Right. So that, those are the places where we can actually say, yes, there is actually evidence. There's not only a good theory for why they should get worse in right. a warming world, um, but we have actual evidence showing that they have increased and that they are increasing. And then so, some of the other uh, attributes of what climate change, uh, heating generally would create, we do have some evidence. I mean, you point out in the book, oceans are eight inches higher on average than they were in 1900. That's certainly suggestive of uh, melting or the, since we don't just create water and throw it in the oceans. And, and the temperatures of 1.4 degrees Fahrenheit hotter on average. Right. And that stuff, we do have reasonably good data that goes back 100 years. Yes, and so, so you know, there are some people who um, will go out on a limb and say um, climate change is, is probably affecting tornadoes. Well, you know, I, we at Climate Central um, and the more responsible reporters, I think, and scientists shy away from, we, we make the distinction, and that's what we tried to do in this book that, that you mentioned, mm -hmm. the distinction between things we think are probably true, things we think might be true, and uh, things we're pretty confident are true. And, you know, it's, it goes across that range. Yeah, and I, one of the things that you look at 
the opponents of kind of environmental necessity, I mean, people who say, well, climate change, is, we're denying it. You can, I guess, deny it in two ways. Uh, help me out here. One is you could say, as some people do, yes, uh, things are, are warming up. That's true. But there's largely a natural, cyclical, uh, phenomenal explanation of this. It's not necessarily people. And then there, I guess... The second group of deniers is just say there's no statistically significant warming in the past, and then they fill in the blank, 100 years, 50 years, 20 years. Right. So you're really fighting two strains of attack on being responsible about figuring out what climate is changing and how we know it. That's right. And, and, well, I mean, if you really want to get into detail, I can slice it for you in more than just two ways, but we don't need to go there. No. Um, but, you know, it's, when I first began writing about climate change in the late 1980s, um, it was purely theoretical. There was no actual evidence that the climate was warming because, um, because it hadn't warmed enough to, to stand out from the background noise of, of natural right. weather variation. And at that point, people were saying, many legitimate scientists were saying, well, yeah, it's a, it's a great theory, but without any evidence, I'm, I'm not going to believe it. And right. there could be things that come along uh, that would prevent it from warming. And in the early 90s, we started getting that evidence. And those many scientists said, okay, well, now I see evidence. Now it's now it's, uh, you know, it's a stronger case. And this case has continued to get stronger. But just as you say, there are some people, there are fewer and fewer people who say, no, it's not warming. Right. That's, that's getting much harder to, um, to support. There are still a few. But the people who say, yes, it's warming, but it's perfectly natural, um, they're still around, and, yep. and they're still making a lot of noise. And then I, I will slice it one more way. Sure. There's, there's a third group of people who say, yes, it's warming. Yes, we are partly to, um, to blame, but it's not going to get that much warmer because right. there are things that will come along again to um, to derail it. And Meaning natural things, or we will find a scientific way to get ourselves out of the problem. No, natural things. Natural so, so things. One, so, so the one kind of remaining argument uh, that people have is it's getting warmer, and what's going to happen is the warmer temperatures will evaporate more water from the oceans, they're going to form clouds, and the clouds will reflect sunlight back into space. So it will, it will be self-limiting. Self-limiting as opposed to something that continues to simply build up over and over. We're talking right. uh, to the author of Global Weirdness. Uh, he's a chief science writer, senior science writer for Climate Central, uh, the trusted source of information on all things climate-related. A very balanced look at what we know, what we think think we might soon know and what's really still open for discussion. When we come back, we're going to look at some of the ways in which people who say, don't worry, don't worry, make their argument, uh, and a little bit about maybe whose money is funding the people who say not to worry, not to worry, it ain't that bad. We're talking to Michael Lemonick, and we'll be back for more right here on Culture Shocks. I'm your host, Barry Lynn. Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. 
Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Don't be surprised when the global elite confiscates money from your bank account one day. They have already very clearly telling you that they're going to do it. With what just happened in Cyprus serving as a blueprint for future bank bailouts, if you are concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and I will send you a booklet with 10 reasons why gold and silver could be right for you. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the next bank bailout hits. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. So, a natural disaster strikes, and out goes your power. You risk losing stored food in electric freezers and refrigerators. Your options, lose all that expensive food and medication, fire up a noisy gasoline-powered generator, or switch now to a propane or natural gas-powered refrigerator from Ben's Discount Supply. Ben'sDiscountSupply.com has a complete line of propane-powered refrigerators, freezers in sizes ranging from a small camper cooler size up to a whopping 21-cubic-foot refrigerator freezer or a 22-cubic-foot deep freezer, in stock and ready to ship anywhere. Ben'sDiscountSupply.com also stocks a full line of solar-powered appliances to get you completely off the grid. Check out Ben'sDiscountSupply.com or call 800-771-7702. That's 800-771-7702. Or click Ben'sDiscountSupply.com for camping, home, or bug-out location. Bank on Ben'sDiscountSupply.com. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay, can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest 
largest independent talk radio networks in the world, and we're hiring right now. We offer benefits and an excellent commission structure. Experience preferred, but we'll train the right person. Is that you? Submit your resume today to advertise at GCNlive.com. Again, that's advertise at GCNlive.com. Come work with the Genesis Communications Network, an equal opportunity employer. This is Barry Lynn. We're trying to make sense out of conflicting data or claims or arguments or ideologies, maybe, about climate change. The book is Global Weirdness, written by the group Climate Central, and uh, its principal author is with us. He is Michael Lemonick. For two decades, he was the science and environment reporter for Time magazine, now the senior science writer for Climate Central. So, Michael, here's one of the arguments that the kind of ways that the other side argues, that the other side being the don't worry crowd, nothing's going wrong. It's like the Drudge Report. Every time that there's a meeting on climate change that is held in a city that is, for example, cold in the winter or warm in the winter, uh, and then it'll be particularly cold, and then he'll put climate change meeting occurs in sub-freezing temperatures as if that disposed of it. Or people will point to 1992 and say, look, you know, the summer of 1992 was the coldest and wettest in 77 years, so there's obviously nothing to it. What's the problem with looking at one year here and there? Well, the problem is that, um, you know, if if all that were going on in the world was uh, greenhouse gases increasing in the atmosphere, um, they might have a point. Yeah. Uh, but there's all sorts of things going around. It's not as though uh, our climate is governed either by greenhouse gases or by natural forces. Both things are happening at the same time. They're mm-hmm. overlaid over each other. Sure. And, um, you know, and people, uh, uh, deniers are fond of saying, well, you know, climate changed in the past long before we were burning fossil fuels, which is true. There, there have been natural climate variations for all of Earth's four billion year history. Um, and the difference now is that we're adding our own uh, uh, climate change on top of those natural variations. So you would absolutely expect the... Um, uh, the climate to vary even as sure. it's generally getting warmer. So the other thing that look. people um, fail to take into account is that if you're looking at one particular place, um, uh, the variations can be much greater than they can for the world as a whole. So if you look at just Milwaukee or just um, uh, Wisconsin or just the United States, mm-hmm. uh, temperature might be uh, might be a little cooler here while the rest of the world got significantly warmer. So it's only by looking at global average temperatures over a longer term that you can really say anything meaningful. Is there a kind of obvious or is this a flawed kind of reasoning that there will be a geometric progression to what happens, let's say, with an increase in carbon dioxide? If it gets warmer, in other words, in Monterey, California, is it also necessarily getting warmer in the Arctic, which means the glaciers melt? I mean, there's this documentary, I didn't think too much of it overall, but it's an amazing set of photos 
shows of called Chasing Ice mm-hmm. uh, documentation of these uh, these glaciers that just are disappearing literally over the course of a few years. So is it necessarily true if it gets worse in point A, it will be worse in point B, or is point B perhaps uh, dealing with a whole other set of rules? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the second the second uh, uh, thing is is correct. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the overall temperature of the Earth is rising, but we have weather patterns, both large scale and small scale, moving that heat around in various ways. And so, uh, if you're moving heat from um, uh, the Arctic um, down into the more temperate regions, they might get uh, warmer still, while the Arctic gets even cooler. Right. Uh, temporarily, temporarily, right. you can you can sort of move. It's uh, you can move deck chairs around on the Titanic <laughs> for a while, but that the ship is still going down. The ship is still going down, and you're at a point where we can say we have data to support the idea that even if there's a temporary decline in temperatures in that point B, in the long run. Point B is going to start to catch up to point A. Do we know that much? Yes, we, yeah, we, we really do. do know that much. Um, another kind of argument that you hear uh, has to do with this technique of, of using data that seems to be commonsensical, like uh, there are no Venusians. I mean, at least as far as I know, there's no one living on Venus. It's because it's 900 degrees Fahrenheit on the surface. Some of these folks say, look, it's closer to the sun. You'd expect it to be hotter. We're never, ever possibly going to get to a point where the temperature rise is so dramatic that we can't live here. We may need more air conditioning, but we ain't going to become Venusians. Right. Well, you know, I agree with that. That's good. That is true. And, in fact, I mean, so all of these questions are are good common-sense questions. And um, what some people will say is it's warmer on Venus because it's closer to the sun. End of story. Mm. No greenhouse effect. And scientists can very easily do the calculations to show, no, Venus would be nowhere near that hot without heat-trapping greenhouse gases in its atmosphere. Right. But what they can also say is, well, you know, could it happen here? Well, how did it happen on Venus? And um, it turns out that when you do the math, even the most, um, even Al Gore, uh, even the most vehement uh, defender of of, uh, the idea of human-induced climate change is not going to claim we're going to have a runaway greenhouse effect like Venus. So, no, the Earth will not become uninhabitable. Um, And I don't think anybody has made that claim. And if somebody's arguing against that claim, there it's a straw man. Yeah. Um, but in the scenarios that you think we have enough data to say, if things continue, big if, but if things continue as they are, there is a substantial likelihood of, you know, X, Y, and Z. What's the X, Y, and Z? What are the things that the average person who thinks about this? And statistically, I mean, it appears that we don't care much about this because the public. Uh, is very, very uh, un- unwilling to do even the smallest things to, to alter, you know, the lifestyle they have. What are the things that one does need to focus on, if not the end of the world? Well, uh, for example, sea level rise is is one of the most solid conclusions that you can come to. If the Earth gets warmer, um, ice is going to melt. Yep. And we know what's happened in the past. We know sea level will rise. And, you know, that doesn't make Earth uninhabitable. It just makes um, 
our coasts less and less habitable. And since so many millions, hundreds of millions, billions of people live on or near the coast, mm -hmm. uh, it makes life uh, over the next hundred, but more over the next two or three hundred years, increasingly uh, uh, dangerous right. and unpredictable and, um, and difficult. And, you know, you don't have to make Earth uninhabitable to That's be right. violently disruptive of the civilization we've put together um, and the infrastructure we've created on the assumption that this is where the sea level is and it's where it's going to stay. Yeah, when we come back, we have to take a little break. When we come back, uh, I want to explore again this question of, uh, okay, so the sea level's rising, uh, but, I mean, we could build uh, houses on stilts. I mean, oh, well, we could be more sophisticated. Who knows? I mean, after all, it was an ozone hole, and now there doesn't seem to be one because we figured out what the culprit was. We did something about it. That's why we don't have as much hairspray these days. We'll be back to chat about that and much more with Michael Lemonick, the senior science writer for Climate Central, a new book, Global Weirdness, a good, trustworthy look at what is and isn't known about climate change around the world. We'll be back. You're listening to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. Our nation's founders believed that all Americans have the right to worship according to their own beliefs or not to worship at all. So strong was their commitment to religious freedom that they enshrined it in the first sentence of the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We call this constitutional guarantee the first freedom. Religion is deeply personal and Americans must be free to practice without coercion. There must be a separation of church and state. We are on the verge of losing this fundamental freedom. You may wonder, what can I do? The answer is simple. Do what our founders did. Sign your name to a very important document, the First Freedom First Petition. Go to www.firstfreedomfirst.org and sign it today. By standing together, we can send a powerful message to our elected officials. GCN listeners have their minds wide open, and open minds are inventive minds. America urgently needs new products and services to grow companies and to create new jobs. I'm Russ Weinzimmer of Russ Weinzimmer & Associates PC, a national law firm helping individuals and small companies across the U.S. As a GCN listener myself, I know this country is in deep trouble and it's time to take action. Even if you've never worked with a patent attorney before, we will work with you to get strong strategic protection for your invention. Just contact us for a free consultation to see if you can become a client. We are registered patent attorneys, so all consultations are completely confidential. Just go to strategicpatentlaw.com or call 800-621-3654 for your free consultation. That's 800-621-3654 or go to strategicpatentlaw.com. From your mind to the marketplace. Hi, I'm Steve Shank, founder of eFoods Direct. Right now, we have a huge number of Americans that are in serious trouble right smack dab in the middle of the Oklahoma disasters. I know that thousands of you, like us, are frustrated with not being able to help those who have lost so much and are in so much pain. We can't stand idly by. 
Food is the best way to help the victims and support the relief effort. We have a plan for any of you who would like to partner with us in providing food in this desperate time of need. We've built a seven-day emergency food package containing breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a whole week for one adult valued at $60. Your $25 will ship this life-saving supply directly to those in need. Call 800-409-5633 or efoodsdirect.com. That's 800-409-5633 or efoodsdirect.com. The food is contributed at considerably less than cost. Thank you. Hey there, my name is Frank Bates. Do you know the number one most valuable item in a crisis? Some people think the answer is gold. Others think it's a gun. But the correct answer will shock you. I just created a free video at Crisis123.com that reveals a surprising item that is more valuable than gold in a crisis. 97% of Americans don't have this one critical item. In fact, they haven't even given it a thought. And the sad truth is that you may not survive without it when a real crisis hits and a starving mob is right outside your door. What I have to tell you could literally make the difference between life and death for you and your family. Watch my video at Crisis123.com to discover the number one most valuable item in a crisis. You'll be shocked. See the controversial video that thousands of other smart patriots have already seen in the last three months. Go watch my video now at Crisis123.com before they force me to shut it down. Again, that's Crisis123.com. We are back uh, trying to figure out uh, just what level of concern we ought to have about global climate change, uh, what we know, what we don't know. The book is Global Weirdness. It's by the group Climate Central, whose principal science writer, Michael Lemonick, longtime writer for Time magazine, uh, joins us. Okay, so the ozone hole. We, we heard a lot about it. It was a, a big issue. Uh, it was uh, presumably caused primarily by the use of chlorofluorocarbons, which were propelling deodorant onto various parts of our body and hairspray and all of that. Then these uh, CFCs were essentially banned in 1987. What has happened to the ozone hole? And some would say, doesn't this prove that for every problem there is a scientific solution? And the answer is uh, yes. I mean, it, it, uh, it sort of does suggest that. Um, and, but what it suggests for climate change is something that people are not willing to face. So um, the reason we were able to address this chlorofluorocarbon problem in 1987 was that the chemical companies that made these these very, very useful and otherwise very benign chemicals, which were used not just in hairsprays but also in air conditioners and refrigerators, and um, they were used to clean circuit boards, I mean, amazing chemicals, um, we had replacements. The chemical companies already had replacements, and they were able at reasonable cost to just switch. And we, we have gone on now using much less harmful uh, chemicals in their place. The answer with climate change is equally simple. Um, stop generating carbon dioxide. The problem yep. is that every time we burn coal or oil or natural gas or every time we burn down forests, um, 
uh, or clear land for agriculture, we are increasing the amount of CO2 in the air. And to transform our entire energy infrastructure, especially in places like China and India, which are trying legitimately to catch up with us exactly. economically, um, to say, oh, sorry, you know, do something else. Don't burn coal. Put up windmills. Um, it would be an extremely expensive and disruptive proposition, and people don't want to do that. So it's simple. It's just not easy. Yeah, it's simple but not easy. So that there's pretty much a generalized agreement, for example, that the that the trapped greenhouse gases. I mean, that this is this is a component of whatever changes we see. But then there are people who go, and I, I think you alluded to this earlier in the interview, people say, well, yeah, but then there'll be a denser cloud cover, and that will mean that a lot of the sun's rays will bounce off this dense cloud cover. And I've even heard people suggest, well, we could put mirrors in space, and that that would somehow bounce the sunlight and therefore reduce the problem. So even if you accept the premise that greenhouse gases are creating heat at the moment, there are the naysayers who say, yeah, but it'll just be temporary because then it'll fix itself. Right. and, and That's bad know, science. Well, I mean, it's, it's not bad science to ask the question. It's bad science to pretend that you know that that's the answer. And, and um, clouds are one of the remaining uncertainties in climate science. Uh, we really don't understand them very well yet, but the more people have tried to model and understand what clouds do in a warming world, uh, the fewer and fewer scientists um, are willing to stay on board that particular ship. Uh, the, the number of scientists who now really are, have any confidence that clouds are going to save us has dwindled to about six. Yeah. Um, so it's not <laughs> absolutely disproven. It's no. just less and less convincing. If there is a, uh, a single species other than humans that people seem to worry about, other than perhaps cats on Facebook, it is polar bears. And uh, before we actually went on the air, I'd ask you if you'd seen a book called The Mad, Mad, Mad World of Climatism, Mankind and Climate Change Mania by someone named Steve Gorham. And uh, this is mainly a, a set of kind of personal ad hominem attacks against people he doesn't like. But occasionally there's something that really does start to shock you because we've all seen, we've seen the Al Gore movie, we've seen the, uh, things in National Geographic about the loss of polar bears. Uh, Cassie Siegel, the director of the U.S. Center for Biological Diversity, says bears are dying because of climate change. Quote, global warming isn't a crisis a decades away. It's here now. The sad truth is that polar bears are already starving as global warming melts the Arctic. That's uh, cited in the uh, Steve Gorham book. And then following that, of course, Inuit people who live uh, up uh, near where polar bears live, uh, he quotes some of them saying, ah, we don't see any problem with the polar bears. How do you, as a person who's seriously looking at the phenomenon of climate change, deal with assertions like that, whether quote someone from the U.S. government who says it's a problem, and then this guy will say, well, but wait a minute, the people, the native people that live there, they don't even see it as a problem. The whole thing is polar bear propaganda, says Steve. How do you respond to it? I mean, how do you look at it through a different lens and well, get I mean, to the truth? I, I, I look at it, um, the way I look at this particular question is that, um, 
Polar bears live in, uh, there are a number of different populations of polar bears mm-hmm. in the world. They live in a number of different places. In some places, uh, they seem to be um, getting thinner and having more trouble reproducing, mostly because they have less time out on the ice. Mm-hmm. In, in uh, Hudson Bay, Canada, that's uh, particularly a problem. Yeah. Um, in other places, the numbers seem to have increased over the past 20, 30 years, and that has to do largely with bans on hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, logically, it seems clear that if there's less ice for the polar bears to hunt on, um, they will do less hunting and they will do do poorly. But I don't think there is overwhelming evidence that they are declining in significant numbers yet. So, so I stay away from the polar bear argument because you know I think there's enough uncertainty. Um, in what's actually happening so far, um, that I'm reluctant to, you know, to make um, to make statements, yeah. even though I know that people think polar bears are cute and will be sad if I tell them they're all dying. I, I won't do that. No, because because you're looking at uh, you're looking at evidence. You're not looking at an anecdote or a photograph that shows or appears to show something. You, you, there's more data to to be gathered. I guess some, uh, including a gentleman who fills in for me occasionally when I'm on vacation on this show, would probably say, as a, as a staunch uh, environmental, he'd probably say, but you know we. How, how long do we wait for the data to come in? Shouldn't we be reticent about saying, let's get more data? Because after all, we've lost huge biological diversity already. Whole species have disappeared from too much logging. There could have been a time to stop it, and we didn't. We should learn our lessons. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a very good argument. Um, and the thing is that whether – I mean, polar bears are, are – Endangered not just by climate change, but also by pollution. Uh, if you uh, if you analyze the fat in a polar bear, there are all sorts of toxic substances substances that have uh, migrated up to the Arctic, and so they're suffering uh, for a number of different reasons, not just climate change. Um, but if you simply look at the things that we really do understand pretty well, you yeah. can make a very strong case for uh, dealing with climate change now rather than waiting exactly. based on those. And you don't have to invoke other things that we're less certain about. You know, we, right. we, we also um, talk about hurricanes. And, and sure. we, initially people thought, well, hurricanes are going to get more powerful uh, because the ocean's going to be warmer, and that fuels the sure. strength of hurricanes. And so for a while people were saying, well, you know, hurricanes are going to get worse. And People have been looking at this question and trying to understand the dynamics of hurricanes and so on. And it turns out that the best thinking today, which is not yet definitive, is right. that in the Atlantic, yep. hurricanes will actually become fewer yep. as the century goes on. Be- and the- Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and well, we're going to have to take a break, but in other oceans, you see a different effect. We'll let you respond to that in a minute. We'll be back with the author of Global Weirdness from Climate Central in a minute, right here on Culture Shocks. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. seen them on Doomsday Preppers. You've seen them on Network Television, Shipping Wars, and the History Channel. Now, now, the strongest shelters money can buy are here. Atlas Survival Shelters. Made in America from 10-foot diameter galvanized corrugated pipe, up to 11 times stronger than square box shelters, and built to last up to 200 years. And you won't believe the amenities. Atlas shelters contain microwaves, refrigerators, big screen TVs, water tanks, septic systems, bulletproof hatches, and much more. Virtually everything you have at home, just buried 20 feet deep and bombproof. See the amazing Atlas Survival Shelters at atlassurvivalshelters.com or call 1-855-4-BUNKER. That's 855-4-B-U-N-K-E-R or atlassurvivalshelters.com. Financing now available. Atlas Survival Shelters. Better prepared than scared. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com.
are back, and uh, we're talking uh, with uh, a real uh, expert, a trusted source of information, and this is because the group Climate Central is a collection of independent uh, scientists, journalists who are taking a look at changing climate, what effects it has, uh, using actual evidence, uh, not scare tactics, not uh, bad junk science, uh, not images that make us pity one group or another, as we were just talking about in polar bears, but just what the hard scientific data is and I think sufficiently creates a sense that if we care about the planet and we care about our kids and our grandkids one of the things we need to do is take this seriously there is a point where you know you uh, it's, it's hard to go back is there a point though uh, Michael and I, Michael Lemonix, the senior science writer for Climate Central. Is there a tipping point, as they sometimes say, where things get so bad there's no way to go back? Is that a two degrees additional uh, temperature change or four degrees? I mean, is it because I, I have seen and read and met with people in the environmental movement who say we're almost there. I mean, literally crying. I mean, literally crying about the future because they don't see it. Are, is, there, is there reason to believe that we may have gone too far already while we're gathering the data? Oh, absolutely. So, so um, if you talk to James Hansen, the very eminent yep. climate scientist who just retired from the Goddard Institute for Space Studies, as a NASA um, installation, he says uh, we've, we've already gone past it. The danger zone was when concentrations uh, topped 350 parts per million of CO2 in the atmosphere, and we're now up at 400. Um, so he says we're beyond it. Anybody who puts a specific number on, you know, before this line, we're okay, after yep. this line, we're in big trouble, is just blowing smoke. Nobody yep. knows. Nobody knows. What we do know is that we've already, because the CO2 we've put into the atmosphere is going to stay there for hundreds and hundreds of years, yep. and it will continue to warm the planet, uh, anything we've put up there already is 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 a problem, and even if we stopped emitting um, or cut back drastically today, it would still continue to warm up, and it would stay warm for quite a long time. And you know the uh, the analogy I like to use, especially with sea level rise, is you know if you take an ice cube and put mm -hmm. it in a 500 degree oven, yeah. and then snatch it out a second later, it's still mostly there. Yeah. If you leave it in a 200 degree oven for um, you know for an hour it's completely gone yeah and so the temperature doesn't have to go all that much higher um, if it stays there for hundreds of years which it's going to do the ice sheets are going to continue to melt and sea level is going to be dangerously high and I think it's already probably too late to avoid that um, other things um, it's less clear. So the idea that there's one one amount of temperature rise that's okay and then a little more is bad, I mm -hmm. think it's just wrong. When you listen to some of the people in the United States Senate, like I've heard Senator Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma uh, talk about climate, and, and mainly he's he, he's not a complete naysayer. I mean, he doesn't say nothing has ever changed and we, have, we should you know, burn more coal uh, in our in our houses tomorrow, but he's pretty much of a d denier of uh, a, a lot of the significance of, of evidence that you would cite as something to be concerned about. 
Does Jim Inhofe understand science well enough to actually know what's going on, or is he and people like him just parroting a business line that says, at the moment at least, until we gain control, for example, of alternate sources of energy, we being an oil company, a gas company, we're just going to say it's not really serious. Does he know the science, or does he just parrot a business line and not know the science? I would never presume to know what's going on in the mind of a politician. Um, I mean, I, I, it's, a, it's a, yeah. a species that just is completely alien to me, um, and and so I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, well, uh, let me let me broaden it. Well, the peop, there are whole cottage industries. Uh, that are out there saying this is not something to worry about, uh, biological diversity, not that big a deal, ice melting, not that big a deal, rise of oceans, not that big a deal. And they all seem to be funded by, well, shall we say, to the extent that we know, they appear to be funded by people who have, shall we say, a pro-business ideology. Right, right. So, um, so, so there, I would, I, you know, the, what, there's this well-known quote, which I should have uh, right at hand, which I can't remember who said it, but it says something to the effect that um, you can never expect someone to believe something if it's in his economic interests not to believe it. Right. So, right. you know, so people are um, certainly prone to kidding themselves, to yep. taking the interpretation that is most favorable to their financial interests. And maybe, you know, in some cases they're saying, well, yeah, but there's this professor at MIT who says it's not a problem, therefore right. I choose to believe him. Exactly. Sometimes they probably know full well. I mean, if you look at the tobacco companies, of course, um, they knew perfectly well that cigarettes were killing people, and they, they got up in front of Congress and lied about it. So, so you know, is it willful uh, failure to understand, or is it, um, you know, is it, is it, grasping at straws, or mm -hmm. is it just trying to make the most money you can as fast sure. as you can, and too bad if, if you know, if people suck? Yeah. I, I, I just don't know. No. I just don't know. No. It's uh, one of the things in the last section of your book, you raise a question, how do we avoid the risks, or how do we reduce the possibilities that the worst of things could happen? Um, there are people who say, look at wind energy. Those are generally the people who do not live near wind farms and are driven crazier than you know normal just by listening to the things go around. They say, well, we're going to make them smaller. We're Is there any quick-fix solution biomass, wind, geothermal, or even natural gas, which is creating a, a, a big dispute within the environmental community of whether natural gas is something to get behind, whether even fracking is something to get behind, or whether this is just one more terrible idea being sugar-coated by people who can make a buck out of it. Right. Well, well um, no, there's no magic solution. I'll say that right away. Um, you know, and uh, with with uh, natural gas, it's interesting. Uh, natural gas puts out about half as much greenhouse gases per unit of energy as coal does. Mm -hmm. um, but the whole process of extracting it, including fracking, if you even leave aside the whole the question of, of water pollution and so on, right. um, when you when you extract natural gas from the from the ground and you pipe it across the country, some of it leaks out, and yes. methane, which is a the key component of natural gas is a greenhouse gas itself. So there's some question about whether there's any benefit at all 
even if you stopped all the leaks, um, the amount of uh, time it would take to build or, or adapt uh, plants to burn natural gas instead of coal um, would allow coal to be burned for a relatively long time before the benefits kicked in, so you'd be behind the curve hmm. and have to catch up. So, yeah. so, so the idea that natural gas is a magic solution is, is not really supported. All these other technologies are either um, uh, not so easy to scale up right. in an economical fashion, or they're, if they're, you're talking about nuclear power, um, they're fantastically expensive, and there are all sorts of problems with them. My real, um, you know, as a representative of Climate Central, we have sure. no position on any, any right. particular policy. Right. Personally, I find it very persuasive that if uh, the U.S. or the world instituted a carbon tax, mm -hmm. which penalized people for emitting carbon, um, the joint creative energies of the world's entrepreneurs and inventors would find a way to answer your question. Exactly. They would find um, the best way to start reducing greenhouse gases uh, as fast as possible because it would be in their economic interest to do so. Is it uh, too far? We just have a minute, but uh, is it uh, too much... Uh insufficient data could conclude that we're at peak oil. You know, the idea of some of the peak oil people is you have to you know, build the tractors and they have oil, of course, in the tires. So if you went and built wind farms all over the place, you'd have to still use the oil to get the uh, equipment there to build them, and, and, and we're pretty much out of oil anyway. Do you buy that? I, uh, the end of oil has been declared before, yeah. and uh, whatever it happens, Again, for economic reasons, people think up a new way to uh, to get at it. Exactly. So the, the tar sands in Alberta, yep. you know, nobody was really um, uh, thinking about how to extract that until the price of oil went to ninety or a hundred dollars a barrel. That's and suddenly, right. Like, wait. All of a sudden, those uh, that tar sand answer uh, became something to be talked about. I want to thank you very much uh, for uh, joining us uh, today on Culture Shocks. We've been talking to Michael Lemonick. He's a senior science writer for Climate Central, a group of people in business and academia who uh, are not here to take positions and issues. They're here to take a hard look at data and figure out what it says about climate and the future. That does it for today's edition. I'm Barry Lynn. We'll talk again. This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. 
Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. Don't miss a minute of the action. Check out the podcasts at www.kcaaradio.com. The station that leaves no listener behind, AM 1050 KCAA. In recent years, more Americans are becoming uncertain about the future, especially since the idea of global warming has evolved from a political debate to a general acceptance that climate change is real. It's resulting in more violent weather and violent extremes in temperature. It serves no purpose here to speak of fear or to live in fear, but there are common sense signs that suggest that our food security is being impacted. The USDA makes annual forecasts of our nation's corn crop each year. It's instructive to review recent corn yields simply to look at how they are faring with regard to projections. You know, a majority of our diet has corn in it. Did you know that corn production in America has fallen below normal for the past several years? The 2012 crop averaged only 123 bushels to the acre, which is almost one-fourth below USDA projections. This year, the USDA is projecting another record crop, while one-half of the country remains in severe drought. At the same time, we're eating our way through our cattle herds. Ranchers are cutting back herd size because of drought. This year's calf crop will be the lowest since 1949, and the annual calf crop has been declining since 1995. None of this is very good news for our food supply. Recently, I discovered a service called GoFoods. The company packages and sells dehydrated, non-GMO, ready-to-eat meals with a long shelf life. After investigating the company, I bought a URL, and it's called www kcaafoods.com Now this website forwards to the Go Foods product site. Again, Go Foods packages, prepares and delivers monthly supplies of ready-to-eat dehydrated non-GMO meals right to your residence. You simply order it online and you get a month's supply by mail. My Go Foods service costs a little over $100 a month. And in a few months, I'll have a good stockpile of non-GMO meals in my pantry. Some meals have a shelf life of over a decade, so my wife just stores them in ice chests, and then they can be accessed later if we need them. Also, some people buy Go Foods and add them to their regular menu. Either way, it's a good deal. Obviously, committing $100 a month to stored foods is a cheap insurance policy, so to subscribe to this food service just like I have, go to the following website www.kcaafoods.com or call toll-free 855-909-1050. My name is Fred Lundgren. 
I'm the founder and CEO of KCAA Radio, and I agree with this message. I think of a social welfare charity being like the Little Sisters of the Poor, not the Little Koch Brothers of the Plutocracy. Yet, the brothers have created their very own social welfare charity, which they used as a political front group for funneling $39 million into campaigns against Democrats last year. Interesting, since under IRS rules, 501c4 charities are supposed to do philanthropic work for the welfare of all, not political hatchet jobs for billionaires. In fact, the law bans these tax-exempt entities from spending more than 49% of their funding on political efforts to promote their issues. Yet, hundreds of these C4s, mostly right-wing, are flagrantly violating the tax law by operating primarily as political fronts for funneling secret corporate donations into raw partisan campaigns. How did they get their privileged status as charities? by outright lying to the IRS, then defying the agency to stop them as they dump millions of corrupt dollars into our elections. For example, American Action Network, a C4 created by Wall Street lobbyists, has spent two-thirds of its revenue on elections, including putting up $745,000 from secret donors to elect Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. How ironic, then, that Johnson is now one of the Tea Party mad dogs howling at IRS officials. It's scandalous, Johnson shrieks, that some Tea Party groups have not been given C4 status because IRS agents have had the temerity to question whether the groups actually are charitable enterprises or just frank political outfits fraudulently posing as charities. This is Jim Hightower saying Tea Party groups should not be singled out for IRS scrutiny, but neither should they be allowed to cheat by shamefully masquerading as little sisters of the poor. Are you tired all the time? You feel like crap.com. Are you overweight? You feel like crap.com. Are you unmotivated? You feel like crap.com. Do you want to feel better, healthier? You feel like crap.com. Make your move and change your life today by logging on to youfeellikecrap.com today. Learn more. Visit youfeellikecrap.com. Brought to you by youfeellikecrap.com. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM. The station that leaves no listener behind. There's a battle for the soul of America. We can't let him tear the kingdom down. This is no game. This is war. Flesh and blood. It's between the bad and good. We can't stop until the trumpet sound. This is war. Not a game we're playing. This is war. The only question is, which side will you be on? It's time now for a call to decision with Pastor Butch Paul. Satan's armies come to kill. This is Hello and welcome, my friends. Welcome to the first live broadcast in June, June 3rd, 2013. Welcome to the program. Man, you're in for a good broadcast tonight. I mean, you're going to learn some things tonight. I know that you all heard me over the last lot of years talk to you about biometrics. 
about the new driver's license biometrics and all the other things. Well, tonight's guest is going to explain to you how important this is and what's coming down real soon with the immigration bill that's about to be passed and signed into law and how they're going to further capture who you are biometrically. The Supreme Court ruled today that they own your DNA. That's what, that, that's what it boils down to, folks. The Supreme Court ruled today that they own your DNA. You don't have to like it. That's just the way it is. And you'll be, we'll talk more about it later on, about how the, the, the iris scans are going to be put into businesses, into offices. Uh, you would do your banking by scanning soon. Mark my words, we'll talk to our guest Aaron tonight about that. Aaron is, is with, with uh, Storm Clouds Gathering uh, uh, website. You would hear about that in a few minutes. Don't go away. You're going to want to hear this. I mean you are. And we do have some Lindsay Williams DVDs available. 